0: Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Cindy and Chrissy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with changing the ideals
1: and expectations of motherhood. Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about all while hanging with your mom friends. We are so glad
0: you're here. Let's dive in. Thank you for coming back to enjoy another episode of Mama Needs a Moment. Kim Holly is our guest in this episode, and you will no doubt feel her calm and compassionate energy. She has navigated her own struggles with mental health and using her experiences developed the peer support group, Strength Through Stories, which is a support group for pregnant, postpartum, and adoptive moms that focuses on healing through writing and creative community. It's at this point that you may be saying, but I don't enjoy writing, or I'm not a strong writer. We asked Kim how to work through feelings of insecurity with writing abilities. In short, punctuation, format, and grammar aren't what matters. Kim has provided much more depth and insight into this topic and so much more. We truly enjoyed our time with her. Kim, it's great to see you today.
2: It's great to see you too.
0: These questions are more about getting to know you and diving a little bit deeper into who you are. Fill in this blank. Motherhood is?
2: Surprising. Ooh, I like that word. I'm constantly surprised by Motherhood um, by my son, Owen, uh, who is, who is fun. <laughs> and um, I think motherhood is never what you think it's going to be. So for me, it's really surprising.
0: Very true. Very true. And it's also surprising what comes out of their mouths. Have you reached that stage yet? Where <laughs> come out and you're like, what?
2: We reached that stage a while ago. Oh, and yeah. Now he'll, he likes to talk. Owen is a talker. And so he will come up to me while I'm talking and he'll close my mouth.
0: Like pinch it shut, like,
2: like a does. <laughs> <duck. laughs> oh my God. Exactly. Like, and he'll say, mama, what does he say? You stop talking. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: I just love how kids are so uninhibited, right? Like they just, they don't have the filter and it just makes it so funny.
2: And yeah. he has no fear, no fear of what is going to happen to him. So he is so fun to watch.
0: Right. Oh, that's, that's a great answer. I love that one.
2: Cleanest room in your house? My office. Because that's your special space? Because this is where I work. It has to be organized because, you know, you can't control everything in life, but I think sometimes you can control a clean office.
0: Very true. Wow. My office isn't clean. I guess I should start controlling
1: that, huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Only if you want to. It I, makes want me happy. to me. <laughs> I
1: want to, I want to. It's, it's funny. I've noticed when something in my life is out of control, I turn to cleaning. I will start cleaning the kitchen or cleaning my office or cleaning something that I don't usually clean. That sounds really bad, but
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> it helps no,
1: yeah. me feel that sense of control.
2: Yeah. It makes you feel, it makes me feel better.
0: Oh yeah. I agree. When you come into something that's that's neatly picked up right now. My office just has all the girls' school supplies, all the papers that they've brought home. And I have quasi-organized them, but they're still in piles. So good thing we're not uh, meeting in my office. We'll meet (laughs) in yours, Kim.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Come anytime. Right. What's bringing your life sanity right now? I think, again, quiet times in my office when I can work. I, I really enjoy like when we moved into this house I painted the way I wanted it to be painted and this this house we're lucky it has a lot of space and so I'm I'm able to have my own space at this point and I really treat it like my I'm not really going to call it my sanctuary but like you know what I mean like it's just like my safe quiet space so those quiet moments to myself
0: now do you enjoy decorating does that bring you joy
2: to take a speech? No, I am awful at decorating. So am I. Awful. I don't know what to do with my house. (laughs) I'm always like, I find people who are really good at it. And I'm like, will you come see look at my house, please? And help me because I can paint. I love colors, you know, so I'm a graphic designer as well. And I love colors, but when it comes to actually putting something on the wall, it feels too like permanent. Mm, I agree. You're putting a hole in the wall. Yes,
0: I'm like and when you want really to take want it down.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. When you want to take it down, you have to spackle it and sand it and paint it, and it's just messy, right? Yeah, agreed. What do you look for in a mom friend?
2: I look for someone who's genuine, and someone who is really kind, and I think going beyond that, someone who's like super compassionate, because things come up as a mom. You know, sometimes, sometimes you're late. Sometimes things don't work out and you can't meet or you know whatever it might be. I'm looking for someone who has a lot of compassion for other people.
0: That answer, we haven't had compassion yet, which is super interesting because there's a, a movement right now towards self-compassion and to have a friend that models that compassion that you should have on yourself seems really important.
2: Mm-hmm. Great
0: answer. Best vacation you've ever taken.
2: Well, for sure Italy. I've been to Italy twice in my life. I went once in college and another time on my honeymoon. And my husband, he knew I was answering some questions. And I told him there was one about a vacation. And he said, you better tell them the time that we went together, not when you went with your ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is that when I went in college, I was able to stay there for about a month. And I worked there in Italy. And then when when Matt and I went, it was just for fun. But... It, Rome is my favorite place in the whole world. What when work you, did you do? I was helping a wonderful author and friend of mine with her book on agrobiodiversity. And so we were doing research on um, <laughs> yes, on agrobiodiversity.
0: Agrobiodiver- well, that's so cool. That's amazing. And so when you went in Italy for that long, working there, you were much more immersed in the culture as well, right?
2: Oh, yes. We lived in an apartment. Um, we had, my roommate was Greek and her uh, boyfriend at the time was Italian. And so we really, yeah, well, you know, we went to like nightclubs, <laughs> feels like a different life. We went to nightclubs. We, I went to the, the um, like the, it wasn't called the farmer's market, but something like that. I forgot what they called it, but yeah. Live there. And you speak, you speak Italian? No, no, oh, I do so not. what did you do? You just... Well, I spoke a little bit of Italian, but I tried not to speak too much because, you know, I, I didn't want to look like one of those Americans, you know what I mean? And so I, I learned key phrases in Italian and then I used those when I needed to.
0: Oh, so you were, you like, buongiorno, buongiorno, you buongiorno.
2: Yeah, grazie, you know. (laughs) You just got to like one word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everything was thank you. (laughs) One thing you'd like to learn. I would love to learn how to speak better Spanish um, because my son just started attending a Montessori school and it's a bilingual school. So he learns everything in English and in Spanish. And I took Spanish in high school and then I took Portuguese, which is very similar in college, but I really need to brush up on my Spanish. It's very useful as well. Knowing Definitely. Spanish. What do you like to do on a Friday night? I'm very boring on a Friday night. I like to just curl up with a favorite show and my husband and a glass of wine. It's very like, very boring, but really Saturday mornings are when, are are my time. You know, I I love Saturday mornings. i love to wake up. I love to make French toast or pancakes or whatever it might be. And then I have my support group on Saturday mornings at 10. So I'm Friday nights are when like, I need to get some sleep and get recharged for the next day.
1: Well, we'll
0: dive more into your support groups shortly, but I, w- I want you to know it's a running trend. The majority of the people are saying, I like to just relax, watch a show. No one's really saying, I get dressed up and I go out at 11 p.m. and go dancing.
2: <laughs> I can't even imagine anymore. I mean, I, I used to in college, but I've never really been that's never really been my jam. You know, mm-hmm. I would rather be comfy. Like comfy clothes are the best thing in the whole world.
0: Oh, Christy's happy. <laughs> she's she's giving you props.
2: <laughs> what are you reading or watching right now? I'm reading It's Not Always Depression by Hillary Jacobs Hendel. It was recommended oh, to me. Is that a
0: book for fun or is that something you just like reading self-help books?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> my therapist actually recommended it to me. I'm seeing a new therapist and she yeah, recommended it to me. And it is, it's very interesting. I think it's good for me to know for myself and also for the moms who I help. Hmm. Sounds good.
0: I have to put that on my list. And are you watching anything because you said that you like to watch shows on Fridays?
2: Well, I was hoping you'd forget that part of the <laughs> question <laughs> because I am currently re-watching Cougar Town. Please don't judge me. No judgment. I think
0: it's hilarious. <laughs> Wait a minute. You got to remind me Cougar Town. Who, who are the actresses in that?
2: Courtney what Courtney, Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I don't actually, oh, Busy Phillips is in it. And they um, just drink wine all the time. And it's just this, I don't know. It's so silly. Yeah. It's a release for you, right? It's just
0: fun and you laugh and that's it's great.
2: Mm-hmm. And my husband, um, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but my husband likes it too. That's even better
0: when you're able to watch a show that your partner or spouse enjoys with you. We we try to do that too. And then we kind of binge watch certain shows.
2: Yeah, what shows?
0: Oh gosh, now you're putting me on the spot. Yeah. Um. Actually, I'm. this one's really good. It's on Apple TV and we've been watching a show called Trying and it's a British show. So it's got British humor in it. And it's about this couple who found out that they're unable to have children. So they're going through the adoption process, but it's just, it's actually got humor in it as well. So I'd recommend it. My husband and I are enjoying that one.
2: Sounds good. Yes, yeah, sounds, sounds good.
0: pretty good. All right, last question. How do you picture your empty nest days?
2: Those seem so far away to me. Owen is three and we do hope at some point to have other kiddos, gosh, thinking that far in the future. Hopefully, I am managing the nonprofit I'm creating, um, I'm building right now, and just feeling really fulfilled by that work. Kim, you are just
1: such a pleasure. Your compassion and concern for fellow moms always comes through. Every time I've ever spoken with you, I've always been blown away just by your genuineness when it comes to that. You are the founder of Strength Through Story. And you are also the statewide coordinator for Postpartum Support International in Missouri. And now you just mentioned you're getting ready to found a nonprofit. So clearly, postpartum care is something you care deeply about. And you have found some very unique ways to offer support to new moms. Can you talk a bit about your own story and your journey to finding Strength Through Story? And maybe even if you're open to it, the the nonprofit that you're in the process of founding?
2: Yeah, I had my son three years ago, a little bit more than three years ago. And it was not, not a fun experience. It was an emergency C-section. There were lots of complications. Owen was perfect, but I was the one who experienced the health complications. And so um, I experienced those for about six months after he was born and wasn't able to really lift him, walk around with him. It was just a, it was just a really hard time. And so I developed uh, postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD. I think it's important to mention OCD too, because I think there's a lot of stigma around mental health. I think we might talk about that later more, but so I struggled with all of those. I ended up seeing a therapist, but I did not join any support groups because I honestly thought that it would just make me too sad. Like it would make me sadder than I already was to hear about other people's pain there was just a lot of pain at the time i was just really really sad by everything that had happened you know i i I envisioned motherhood in this way i i envisioned the delivery in a certain way nothing went as planned and i was kind of left to pick up the pieces of myself and whereas my son was really growing and he was doing everything you know hitting all the milestones also proud of him i just felt like i had been left in the dust and when you have a new baby, people really ask about the baby. They wanna know about the baby, how's the baby doing? And, and I just, again, felt like I had been left behind. And so two years after that, so at the beginning, it was before the pandemic hit, it was like, you know we knew that COVID was a thing, but it wasn't here yet. I had been thinking about starting a support group because anyone who's interested can start a support group. You don't have to have a whole lot of training And you don't have to be a therapist and so i guess i should be clear this is a peer-led support group and so i thought how in the world can i help other moms through what i went through and i thought about what helped me and so i'm not a therapist i am a writer and an editor and a graphic designer and a web designer so i do a lot of creative things (laughs) and writing had been the thing that had really helped me through the postpartum depression So I thought I'm gonna start a support group and I am going to focus on healing through writing. The pandemic hit and I thought to myself, could I even start a support group now? Like it was gonna be in person. And my friend, uh, my wonderful friend said, I think this is like, now you have to, this is the time to start the support group when all of these moms are at home by themselves. And so I did, I started Strength Through Story virtually. Uh, The group will always be free because for me, cost was, it was prohibitive back then when I was going through postpartum depression. And so, yeah, it will always be free and virtual. And I really did end up finding my strength through writing. That's so amazing. We had the pleasure of having you come
1: and lead some of our Her Circle Moms in a workshop, a writing workshop, I guess, where you introduced us to some of the the concepts that you, I'm sure, use in your support group, Strength Through Mm -hmm. Story. And it was so powerful. It's so powerful to dissect what you have been through and to not just do it by talking, but to actually put pen to paper. And I say it has to be pen to paper. I don't know about type. It just doesn't feel the same. I don't know if you feel the same way about putting pen to paper, but there's something very, very therapeutic about that. And I agree with you hundred percent. I'm sure that has helped so many moms.
2: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny because when you think about writing, you think, oh, I need to write like a story or I need to write a novel or I need to write five pages. But really the things that I wrote when I was going through postpartum depression were very short. They were things like reach for joy. Like one of our recent Uh, topics for the support group was joy. And it's really difficult. And it's really difficult when you're going through postpartum depression to think about joy. Like back then it felt laughable. It felt, it almost felt mean to think about joy because it was not accessible to me. It was inaccessible. So I, I tell moms, you don't need to write very much and you can write on your phone in the notes app. You can write on, On paper, you can write on, I have a whiteboard in my office now where I write things, write something little, just keep writing. A huge thank you to our sponsor and a great friend
1: and supporter of Her Health Collective, Renee Avis. Renee has been such a treasure to both Cindy and I as we navigate mothering daughters. And Renee has just been such a a lifeline in that. Yes, and it's been wonderful getting to know Renee because she's
0: got daughters that are a bit older, like my girls, and we've connected on that. Tutors, body image, electronics, you know, all that stuff. All the things. All the things. Renee is a licensed professional counselor and the founder of the Confident Moms Raising Confident Girls coaching program. Renee is fantastic at helping moms identify and understand the roadblocks that keep them from feeling and being confident.
1: There are so many amazing aspects to Renee's programs, but one of my personal favorites is how she guides moms on how to listen to, honor, and take care of our own bodies. Our children, especially our girls, are always watching. And this is such an important piece for moms to tackle and is something I'm always thinking about as I know my own daughter is watching me.
0: Absolutely. This has been really helpful for me as I've navigated my own body image issues as well as our girls coming into the age of being more aware of their bodies. I also love that she teaches moms how to connect with their daughters in authentic ways. Pre-teenhood. <laughs> yeah. Something that can become harder and harder as our daughters get older.
1: Become a member of Confident Moms Raising Confident Girls Facebook group. You can also sign up for a phone call with Renee to see if the Confident Moms Raising Confident Girls coaching program is a fit for you.
0: The link to sign up is included in the show notes. I love the idea of being able to just write something short. I think when we were in the training, I might have mentioned to you that I used to journal a lot. I used to sit down every night. This was in my, my single days. I would sit down and just write about my feelings. But now that I'm a mom and I'm married, I'm nervous about someone finding my journals and reading them. And so I think I mentioned that to you. So when you said you could grab your phone, you could type it out, that it has pretty much the same effect. I felt like this wave of relief come over me almost. Did you save all of your journals?
2: Yes. I still have everything here on my phone because I had a a really hard time breastfeeding. So I was constantly breastfeeding to try to get things moving, get things going. And so, yeah, I used my notes app a lot because moms always have their phones in their hands while they're nursing. Cindy, just as an aside from what you just mentioned about
1: the keeping the journal. So my mom just recently gave me a journal that my grandmother had kept in 1984, the year I was born it was very, very emotional for me to read and, and to just read through some of the things my grandmother was going through. And when she found out about me and my grandmother was very much there and essentially helped raise me. She watched me for 10 or 12 hours a day while my mom was, you know, working because my mom was a single mom. And, you know, I, I read through this journal and I just the tears poured out of me and it was so emotional, but it was also healing for me because I was so close to my grandmother as a child. And, uh, she passed away when I was nine. And I just, I felt like she was further and further away from me. And now I have this thing that's just, it was so, so special. So just something to keep in mind. I know you wouldn't want someone to find it, but down the line, it could be a nice thing for someone, you know, a grandchild or one of your daughters to come across just a random. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's, that's such nice feedback to have. I, it prevents me from saying anything negative. (laughs) That's for sure. Like in She she
1: was, she was real and all and authentic. I mean, she was struggling with her marriage. She was going through depression. So, um, you know, she talked a lot about being in despair and questions about her marriage. And anyways, I don't mean to go on and on about, but like, it truly did move me and it meant so much. Um, she talked a lot about, this actually is very relevant because it is her story of motherhood. She had six children and she had worked at a lab in Princeton university. She really thought she could go somewhere with her career and she gave it up to raise the six kids. And the, the, the journal passage that just moved me so much was basically where she talked about how she felt like she had given up a piece of who she was and she didn't know that she was going to make it. Cause it just made her so sad to lose that part of her and it just, it reignited in me, uh, my passion for doing what we're doing, what, you know, we're doing with her health collective. And it just made me excited to follow this journey and this path. And but she was real and authentic in it. And she wasn't sugarcoating things. It was, it's very hard to read, but very powerful.
0: I'm so glad you shared that. That's beautiful that you shared that. It sounds like she expressed a very vulnerable part of herself that resonated so nicely with you. And can you also do that a lot through your work? You've interacted a lot and with a lot of women during a very vulnerable point in their life. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of negative thoughts and storylines repeated amongst these new moms. What are some of the most common stories you hear moms telling themselves? And why do you think sharing our stories is so helpful?
2: So one of the most common things I hear is that they're a bad mom, that they can't do this, that they just, they just really don't believe in themselves, you know, because it's hard to compare yourself to what you see in social media. And we do it all the time. I do it all the time. And I, I, you know, suggest to moms, I, I tell moms, you don't have to, you don't have to be those things. You don't have to be like social media is the is showing the best parts of people, the best parts of their lives. And sometimes it's not even real life. And so, yeah, I mean, I remember there was this one mom who we were talking about our inner monologues. We were writing what just came to mind. And then I asked them to write positive things about themselves, things, you know, kind of in response to what their inner monologue was saying. And there was this one mom who just said, I can't think of one nice thing to say about myself and that struck a deep chord with me and that was actually early on in in the support group and i just thought i have to continue doing this work because there are if there's one mom who feels that way there are more moms who feel that way that they are they can't do anything right that they're failing that they're bad moms and so if you don't express these these things if you don't write them down in some way, if you don't talk to someone, then they sit festering in your brain and you begin to believe them. And that can affect us now, but it can also affect us for the rest of our lives.
0: So it's so apparent with what you're saying that you feel the release and just getting it out of your head is so extremely important for a mom. And not only releasing it, but also having some sort of a support system around them, which is what you offer in, in these, these classes.
2: Absolutely. And so moms are able to say out loud, like, this is how I'm struggling and I feel terrible. And I, and and life feels so hard right now. And we have these, I mean, I give the moms credit all the time, like the authenticity that they bring to this group. It's, It's astounding to me, you know, that they would share with people, you know, they have moms all over the country that they would share with these moms who they do not know, you know, their life struggle. And so absolutely expressing those things. And then I witness almost every group that the moms come back and they, and they just, they just tell this mom how worthy she is. And it's just incredible to watch them tell this mom, like, no, you're doing a wonderful job. Like your kid is, your, your baby is so lucky to have you. And it's just outpouring of support. I really haven't seen another space, very, very many other spaces like it. That's so
1: incredibly special. There is something very uplifting about moms supporting other moms that peer support is truly special. On your website, you share, it's a widely cited statistic, um, one in five women suffer from postpartum depression, and you go on to state that you believe that there are so many more. You say there are so many suffering in silence, afraid of what others will think if they share their feelings and their experiences. We would love to dive into a conversation with you about the stigma attached to mental health issues, specifically maternal mental health. It's something we've talked about again and again on this podcast and within Her Health Collective because it's such an important issue. Why do you think this is such a taboo topic? Why is it so hard for moms to talk about what's going on, to seek out help, to discover that they truly aren't alone in the challenges of postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression and other mood disorders that often emerge after having a baby?
2: It's a great question and a great conversation. And one that I think needs to be had a lot more often. I don't think that this is something that is going to go away. You know, stigma is really embedded. The stigma of mental health and asking for help. It's just, yeah, it's, it's going to take some time. But I do think that there's a lot of shame inherent to motherhood. Even if you don't experience postpartum depression, you know, when we're getting ready for motherhood, when we're, when we're pregnant, or even um, when you're, When you're trying, you're going through that process. There's a lot of of things that we feel about motherhood, about like how we think it's going to go. So, here are expectations that we associate with motherhood. And then uh, we also get a lot of feedback. (laughs) We get a lot of feedback from other people about how that pregnancy. Or, or the delivery or, you know, all aspects of motherhood, we get a lot of feedback from people. So whether it be family or friends or things that we just see in social media and just kind of take in and tie to our motherhood journey. And it's so easy to compare ourselves with other people. It's like almost impossible to not compare ourselves. So we feel like if someone is doing, if we think that someone is doing a really good job of being a mom, that, you know, we compare ourselves to that. And if we don't measure up, then there's this level of guilt. There's this feeling of guilt. And so that makes it really hard to ask for help. You know, we, if we feel like we're failing, then we don't feel like asking for help Um, because we're supposed to be super moms, right? (laughs) We're supposed to be able to do it all and not complain, but that's, that's not really real. You know, it's not really real life or it shouldn't be. And then when you, when you add on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, if you start feeling like, you know what? I think there's actually something wrong. Like I think I'm, I might actually have postpartum depression. Then the idea of asking for help is, it feels impossible. And so I do wanna mention right now that if someone is going through that, that you can reach out to Postpartum Support International. There are coordinators across the country So I'm the statewide coordinator for Missouri, but there are other coordinators in Missouri and there are coordinators, like I said, across the country and they can talk to you confidentially about what you're going through and they can connect you with resources that are affordable, that are really able to help you where you are. So stigma, the stigma is not going to go away. (laughs) I mean, definitely not overnight. I think it just takes moms reaching out. And then I tell moms in the support group, you know, like we'll be talking about something that is so, like I said, so authentic, so real, so heartbreaking and also joyful. And I just tell the moms like, we have got to, to spread this. <laughs> please tell your friends. We've had groups on isolation, on anxiety, on anger. And I just tell moms like, we have got to spread this. So please tell your other mom friends how you're feeling so that they feel like they can open up too
0: our spring roundtable actually took place back in May and it's episode seven in our podcast series. And in that one of the experts discussed how the stigma is trying to get better, but it just hasn't made it yet. There's, there has been a little bit of a push, but one thing that she said that really stuck out to me was that moms aren't grabbing the perinatal mood and anxiety disorder handbook, the same way that they're grabbing a what to expect when you're expecting book. They're not on equal platforms yet. And they need to be because moms need to be aware of what could happen, what the symptoms are, so that they're not grabbing for those books when they're already hitting rock bottom, that they're grabbing for those books is a proactive move towards understanding what could be happening to them. You had talked about you uh, being the statewide coordinator for postpartum support international in Missouri. And you're also the founder of strength through story. And you also run a successful design business called Kim Holly creative. And then also, and this is like the biggest, you're also a mom to an active three-year-old. I think before you, you had like rambled off a bunch of the stuff and then you're actually adding more to that. How do you do it? How do you integrate all of this together with a healthy mindset of abundance, rather than a feeling of overwhelm?
2: I'm overwhelmed a lot. <laughs> I am just going to put that right out there. I'm overwhelmed a whole lot. And like, thank goodness that my husband, uh, is, is so receptive and kind and listens really well. But you know, I I do have a lot of help. I will I will say that my parents are both retired and so they're able to be here to watch Owen who is incredibly active. But I think that I think that I just have in my mind and I've always had in my mind ever since I was a little kid that like I just needed to keep going, that I just needed to I don't know, just find the sense of purpose. And so I find my work moving farther away from Kim Holly creative, even though I love helping women entrepreneurs to really helping moms, you know, like this work I'm doing with moms is, is life-changing for them, I hope, and definitely for me. And so I see the ways that moms are sort of transformed through hearing, uh, talking with other moms. And I get a lot of emails and texts from them saying like, This is so helpful. And like, there was a mom in the group the other day who said, this is helping me a lot. This group is helping me a lot. And we had a group on joy and one of the moms typed in the chat, like this group is my joy. And so I just feel this, this pull, this internal pull that is saying, keep doing this. Like, even though it's overwhelming, even though you're working a lot, (laughs) even though a lot of this is unpaid, do it, keep doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it.
1: We understand that. Well, the, the pull, the draw to, you know, it's a calling and it's something that fills you up. So it gives you a totally different kind of motivation. It's a common occurrence that once an individual becomes a mom, they struggle to understand their shift in identity. Either they become so absorbed with caring for others that they lose sight of what brings them joy outside of motherhood, or they may successfully integrate their identity with motherhood and yet have strong feelings concerning some of those choices. This tug of war may be caused by other people's comments or society's inconsistent messages, that basically lead a mom to feel damned if I do, damned if I don't. Um, The one example that immediately comes to mind is the decision to go back to work or stay at home, right? So through your personal journey and stories that you've heard from other moms, how can we best navigate this motherhood identity conundrum?
2: I think you really just have to take one day at a time. You know, there are some days when I feel like when I feel guilt, when I feel guilty for working as much as I do, I feel actually there are a lot of days when I feel guilty for working as much as I do. Um, and then I know there are moms in the group who are with their kids, you know, all the time and they feel guilty. You know, people say you're just a stay at home mom, which is incredibly offensive. Um, because being a mom is, is absolutely a job is one of the most important jobs you could possibly have. And so I think in terms of identity, for me, it's gotten better. So when Owen was little and we were struggling with breastfeeding, and I've got actually three friends right now who have little babies, it's like all you do during the day is feed your kiddo and you clean them up and you clean yourself up (laughs) because, you know, spit up. And that seems like that's all you accomplish in a day. And in those moments, that's kind of, for me, that's what I needed to do. I needed to take care of him and I needed to take care of myself, my, my physical self, but that was really all I accomplished in a day. And as time goes on, and as they get bigger, you know, now Owen's going to Montessori school three hours a day. And so I think you start to reclaim yourself a little bit more throughout the process, just naturally. But also I think it's worth all of us looking at our situations and saying, is this what I want? You know, not, not motherhood by any means. But what do I think about my identity? What do I want my identity to be now? What is possible right now with the schedule I have? And then what is maybe something that I can look forward to? So we do a lot of that in our group. We talk about what can we do right now? So this group, we talked about deep comfort. We did talk about joy. We talked about expectations. What can we do right now that makes us feel more like ourselves? And which things can we sort of like plan on. You know, for all of us planners, like planning is really fun. <laughs> and even if we can't actually do that thing, it just makes us feel more like ourselves.
0: I remember a time when my our firstborn daughter uh, was, I mean she, she was a newborn and I was nursing and I nursed all day. I mean literally I sat on the couch and she was on and off my breast all day long. And when my husband got home, he was like, hi, how was your day? And I was like, this was it. This was my day. <laughs> you know, just coming to grips with that. Like it It. it was, it, I felt joy doing that. It wasn't, but I was also exhausted on top of it. And what you said, it was just beautiful. I'm going to circle us back a little bit to our conversation about writing and We talked a little bit about this, but not all women feel that they're strong at writing. And you had mentioned that this class that you put on the support group is is about writing. What do you say to the moms who may want to join, but resist the urge because they feel insecure about their writing abilities? And does writing have different healing benefits than other creative outlets?
2: So I would tell those moms that it's not about Necessarily, what you put on the page, it's not necessarily about what you put in your phone. It's the act of getting it out of your brain, and so I I always suggest that moms start with a gratitude journal. And I know there are plenty of people who roll their eyes, and I roll my eyes too when I think about gratitude journaling because it's it does feel overdone. But that is truly one of the writing exercises that helped me when I was going through postpartum depression. It was thinking, making myself think about the positive things that were in my life, even though at the time it felt like there were none, but there were, there really were. And so I would write down, you know, I would write down little lists, you know, of like what made me feel grateful. And most of them were about Owen, and that's okay. (laughs) But then over time I started to notice more things and my list became longer. And then after that, I was able to start writing you know, mantras in my journal, you know, I would just, in my planner, like I would just write a big mantra at the top, you know, and one of them, you know, know I've talked a lot about joy, but one of them really was chase joy, like reach for joy because I had to make myself. And so it wasn't just the process of writing it down. I tell moms, it's also the process of rereading what you've written. So as much as we can take that, the, the judgment out of our brains and just get something onto the page, just get something, something down. And then naturally over time, you will start to write more. It will become easier. So I would say, start small, start with a sentence or start with a word. You know, I've even like just written words on my whiteboard. And that word has really helped me. And then over time, it will become easier. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about grammar. None of that stuff matters. And then, in terms of writing, writing has been touted by Harvard, Northwestern Medicine, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Mental Health America, the University of Rochester Medical Center, and so many more because of its benefits. Writing has been shown to reduce anxiety, help people manage depression, and make meaning out of traumatic experiences. And especially as moms, it's, you know, if you've gone through a traumatic experience, it's worth processing those things and getting things down on the page about how you feel about what happened. And and even if you haven't experienced something traumatic, you know, writing has helped in the group with communication. And so we talk a lot about like, how do you want to communicate with other people? How can you be your best advocate? And for me, I get a lot of anxiety when it comes to talking to a doctor or my husband about how I'm really feeling. And I'll write those feelings down first. And then I will read them often straight from the page so that I'm really representing myself the best way I can. Kim,
1: what has been the most challenging lesson or shift
2: for you in your motherhood journey so far? I would say my perception of myself because I thought When I, when I was pregnant, you know, my pregnancy was just one of those perfect pregnancies. I had some heartburn, but that was about it. I thought that I was supposed to be a certain kind of mom. I had a lot of expectations. I'm a type A personality. I had a lot of expectations for how motherhood was supposed to go. And not only that, but how I was going to respond to motherhood. And so when that didn't go to plan, I saw myself as someone who was weak. I thought, you can't do this. You're not doing it the right way, which is, you know, now I look back at myself and I think that was just crazy talk, (laughs) but at the time it felt so true. And so now I've really taken this approach and changed it, transformed it into a both and scenario where I can be both. I can feel weak in some moments and I can also know that I'm a super strong person going through a tough time. So this both and has helped me in so many ways in motherhood. It's given me a flexibility that I never had before. It's allowed me to have a lot more compassion toward myself.
0: Something that I've talked to my therapist about as well is this idea that it is this, I'm good or I'm bad. And so it's, it's these extremes, right? Like it's black, white, it's but there's gray in the middle. There's a whole area in the middle that we need to pay attention to because that's where life is. It's not in these extremes, it's, it's in this gray zone. So I loved what you said. What message do you think every mother should hear?
2: So the message I would tell moms is, is to be compassionate with yourself, that life is not linear healing is not linear. And that if we have compassion for ourselves and we're more like curious about our feelings, you know, talk to ourselves like a friend would, it's so difficult. Our inner monologues are, are often pretty mean. (laughs) And so if we can start to talk with, talk to ourselves with more compassion, then I think life will be a lot more enjoyable. And also I posted something in the Facebook group. We have a private one for the group and It's by a writer it's at B E C underscore Ellis underscore writer. Anyway, the quote is, if there is one thing I am showing my children, it is what human looks like. And so I also used to live in the black and white. It's how I was raised. And that's not what being human is. You know, we can't force ourselves into these ideas of black and white. Being human is important. And I'm sorry, this is not one message that I'm giving the moms, but there was one mom in the support group who said, I don't want to be a superhero. I just want to be a human being. And I want other people to see me as a human being. And that, that is what I would tell moms, be a human being, allow your kiddos to see you as a human being and, and try as hard as you can to not feel shame for being that human. So lovely when you recognize that you're human,
0: that humans make mistakes, it's just owning those mistakes. And you, you can say you're sorry to your kids. You can go to them and say, I do this with my girls. I'm just like, I didn't have a very good mom moment. And I'm sorry. And I just leave it at that and think of the lessons that they get from that. Not only are they seeing you be human, but they're also seeing you be human and owning your humanness.
2: And to, for me, at least I am someone who will apologize all day long. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, it's so easy for me to feel like saying that to people. But when I speak to myself, it's different. And I'm also, so I'm the first person to say, it's okay. You know, if other people say, I'm so sorry. I say, it's okay. It's okay. But I don't say that to myself. And like, it's just, I've gotten a lot better at that over the years. And I think that writing and being a part of this group has really changed the way I talk to myself.
1: We
0: are so grateful for you. You're the compassionate friend that every mom needs.
1: (laughs) Agreed. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs)
2: Well, I'm grateful for you guys too. And the work you are doing is nothing short of incredible. And I cannot wait to keep watching you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really appreciative.
0: Kim is such a joy to talk to. Her compassion, kindness, and desire to support moms through challenges while guiding them to healing is transparent. Here are our three takeaways. Number one, Through her experience facilitating the Strength Through Stories groups, Kim most often hears moms express concerns that they can't do anything right, that they're failing, that they're bad moms, that they can't live up to what moms are portraying on social media. They also discuss their inner monologue and their struggles to think of one nice thing to say about themselves. Kim expressed the importance of not keeping these feelings inside. She explained that if the feelings aren't released through writing them down in some way by talking to someone and having a support system, then they sit festering in your brain and you begin to believe them, which in turn can not only affect us now, but can also affect us for the rest of our lives. She sees the ways that moms are transformed through hearing, talking with other moms and writing their experiences. Number two, one day at a time. This is what Kim said when we asked her about the best way to navigate the motherhood identity conundrum, making choices one day at a time that fit best with your needs, asking questions like, what can I do right now that makes me feel more like myself? What do I want my identity to be now? What is possible right now with the schedule I have? And then what is something I can do to look forward to? She said that these are the type of questions she often asks the group to write about. Overall, it takes self-reflection. Number three, Kim's message that she wanted moms to hear was one to remember. She said, quote, be compassionate with yourself. Life is not linear. Healing is not linear. If we have compassion for ourselves, we're more curious about our feelings and talk to ourselves like we would a friend with more compassion. Then I think life will be a lot more enjoyable, end quote. She also mentioned to allow your kiddos to see you as a human being, that you make mistakes and try as hard as you can to not feel shame for being that human. High five, friend. We had so much fun with you. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review. We love hearing what you have to say. Until next time, stay
2: true to you.